This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Your first time with us, or you're a guest with us, uh, welcome to Church of the Harvest. Uh, we're, we're so glad to have you with us. Uh, I always say we're, we're a family of Christ followers. Uh, how many of you know when we receive Jesus, we're all part of the body of Christ? But here at Harvest, we've recognized that we're stronger together than we are individually. And so we've chosen to link arms and accomplish God's purposes together. How many of you know we can do more together than we can individually, right? And so uh, we do, as a, as a church, we meet in, in, throughout our community in small groups throughout the week, but we, we still have our small groups coming together uh, to worship the Lord corporately on, on Sundays. Uh, we're just a small expression of the body of Christ. We love God, and because we love God, we want to be just like our Father, and we choose to love people and to serve the world as the hands and feet of Jesus. If you're part of the Hardest Family, what is our vision? is to make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fill their God-given purpose in life. Let's put it on the screen. <laughs> we got it? Maybe we don't have it. Let's say it again. To make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. And we do that through what? Community, discipleship, and outreach. As for a while now, we have been discussing our identity. Uh, how many of you know identity is everything? Knowing who you are. You can't do anything if you don't know who you are. If you don't understand your identity. We've been talking about our identity, but with that comes our responsibility. How many of you know in the body of Christ we have responsibility? And, and when, when I say in the body of Christ, I'm talking about those who have repented and turned from their old life, that have been crucified with Christ, who have made Jesus Lord of their life. How many of you would say, yes, that is me. I'm living my life for Jesus. Glad we got six. That's awesome. We're going to have a big old altar call. Be out of here by 2 p.m. Um, one of the biggest things, one of, one of our biggest priorities here at Harvest is community. And when we talk about community, guys, we have to understand that, that we were created to be loved by God. We were created for relationship. And so if we were created for relationship, then maybe we need to talk about that a little bit. Maybe we need to have an understanding of it, especially when it comes to the more intimate relationships in our lives. As, as, as we get out there and we're talking about, uh, as we talked a couple weeks ago about being single, and, but, but a lot of you may be single, but, but, but a lot of you that are single are, are, are looking for somebody, right? You're believing that God's going to send somebody into your life, right? And, and we're talking about marriage relationships and things like that. How many of you know God's Word has a lot to say on these matters, and we've got to talk about what a healthy relationship looks like. A healthy relationship meaning one that honors God. What, is that, what does that look like? So like I say, two weeks ago, I talked to um, all the single folks. And, you know, I, I had quite a few of you that came and said, thank you, for, thank you for speaking. Thank you for talking about this and addressing this matter. I gave you four things two weeks ago. I told you, firstly, to celebrate being single as a gift and calling of God. People think it's a curse. No, if you're single, God has called you to be single right now. And it's a gift and it's a calling. And there's things that you can only do right now as a single person that God wants you to do. So you embrace it. You don't view it as a curse. You view it as a gift from God. I've, I've got time and I can do things right now that I couldn't do if I, if I had a whole family to look after. The second thing I told you is to pursue deep, caring relationships. Just because you don't have an intimate relationship in your life, just because you're not married, it doesn't mean that you can isolate yourself. Again, we were created for relationship. And so we've got to jump in there and we've got to go after pursuing godly, caring, deep relationships. The third thing I told you was to keep yourself 
pure. And in this, understanding that if God has called you to be single, then he's also called you to a time of sexual purity in your life, right? And, and, if, and he's given you the strength to be able to do that. He's given you the grace for that. And then the fourth thing I gave you two weeks ago was I said, be watchful but cautious when it comes to marriage. I know too many people that have gotten married for the sake of getting married. They married the first person that showed them any attention, but yet it, it violated all the standards and things they had set for their life for the person that they wanted to marry one day. Guys, we got to wait. We got to stop trying to, trying to chase after always our whole focus being on when's God going to send that man or that woman or scouring the dating sites all the time and instead allow, allow God to open up those doors in his time. Amen? So as we continue to talk about relationships, I want you to turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. This is where we see the first human relationship. And in, in this, uh, you can follow along in your Bible if you have it with you. If you don't, it'll be on the screen. Or we also use the YouVersion Bible app. Most of you probably have that on your phone or mobile device. Uh, again, you can use that QR code on the chair in front of you. It'll take you to, to the notes in the YouVersion Bible app if you, uh, if you prefer to do that. But Genesis chapter 2, and it's starting in verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. So what's he going to do? He says, well, I'll make a helper for him who's just right for him. So what does the Lord do? He formed from the ground all the wild animals and the birds of the sky. And he brought them to the man. Man's like, nope, that's not the one. Nope, that's not the one. Not the one made for me, right? He brings them to the man and, and let's see, uh, so... Where was that? Not good for man to be alone. I'll make help for him, just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground the wild animals, the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. Now look at this. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky and the wild animals. But there was still no helper that was right for him. Giraffes? Nope. That's weird. Anteaters? That's really odd. Nope. So verse 21, the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out, of the man, out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. What does the man say? At last. At last. So much better than a rhinoceros. At last, the man exclaimed. This one is bone from my bone, flesh of my, from my flesh. So she shall be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Guys, God designed us for relationship. And we're calling this series Relationship Goals. Now how many of you have seen on social media people, a picture or a meme or something, people have like hashtag relationship goals? They have that after. Any, you might have to be under 40. To, anybody know what a hashtag is in here? <laughs> yeah. I won't say anything about QR codes. No. And he totally didn't get that. Awesome. Um, many of you have probably seen that on social media. People put, they'll see something and they put hashtag relationship goals. I actually looked on Instagram this week to see how many posts there were with the hashtag relationship goals with it. You know how many there were? There were 22.5 million posts this week that had the hashtag relationship goals. Now, many times when, when people use that hashtag, like say it's in relation to a picture or a meme. So I, I screenshotted a couple of them. So let throw up one real quick. There you go. I will be by your side to the end. 
Hashtag relationship goals. Next slide. No one can love you more than me, baby. Not even you. <laughs> Hashtag relationship goals. Next one. She met her main squeeze. Relationship goals. Next one. Not just today. I'll make you feel loved every day. One more. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing at all. These are the kind of things that people put. Hashtag relationship goals. All right, you can take that down. Please don't put one up. <laughs> Guys, here's the thing, though. Well, as a guy, I look at that and I do say, Bleh. but it's probably more women, I hope. I don't know. But we see these things, and what's the reality? We see this. Why do they put hashtag relationship goals? Because we look at that and we think, I want that. I want that in my life. I want to be just like that. I want a relationship like that. And, and, and you know, and so many, so many people look at these pictures, these images of people on social media and think, I want a relationship like that. How many of you know that most of what we see on social media isn't even real? These pictures we see that have hashtag relationship goals, they were carefully positioned and, and, and calculated and carefully edited so that we would see exactly what they wanted us to see. But I love it. I want to be just like that. What is it exactly that you want? Well, I want, you know, love. I want the, the walks on the beach, the romantic photo shoots, dancing in front of our fireplace, you know. Relationship goals. That's what I want. Guys, Sean and I, um, we, we've, we've gotten pretty consistent with what she calls our weekly date day. How many of you have seen our date day post sometimes on social media? Yeah. Um, you know, she tends to post a picture to each week of, of the day that we set aside, that we, we spend together. And, um, and, and listen, we're, we're, I, by the way, I don't put hashtag relationship goal. I don't use hashtags. I, no thanks. But, and I don't use Instagram puppy. Anyway, never mind. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, we aren't trying to show off in those posts, but I will say we are trying to lead by example. We're trying to lead by example. We want others to see that healthy, godly relationships are a doable thing. And it does start with making time to be together. Uh, we talked about it a couple months ago. I remember mentioning to you that, guys, people, the biggest excuse we use in life generally today is, I'm so busy. Okay, we're all busy. But the reality is you have the time for what you make the time for. Right? And so, so, you know, we've got to bite the bullet. We've got to make the time to be together. And, and some of you tell us, you know, I'm looking forward. What is your next date day going to be like? If we don't, if Shauna doesn't post for a couple of weeks. We've got people like calling and sending messages and like, like where's your date day post and whatever else. And, and guys, I think about this, you know, and because a few people have said, you know, that, that they respect us and it's like, what, what a good example. You're a good example. I, I want to be like that. But my question is, what exactly is it you're wanting? What is it that you're wanting? What, what do we have that anybody else could possibly want? Now, I'll tell you this straight up, and I think that she would completely agree that we have an incredible, God-honoring, God-centered marriage. It's better than I ever thought marriage could be. We really do. Um, you know, in that, there's a lot of things to consider, um, you know, I know of a lot of people who get married and, and marriage isn't going good. And the girl, the woman still spends a lot of time with her girlfriends because she'd rather be with her girlfriends than her husband. And husband still spends a lot of time with his guy friends because he'd rather be with the guys. Guys, 
I'd rather be my wife than anybody else in the world, especially you guys. <laughs> For real. <laughs> She's a lot prettier and she smells better. <laughs> guys, I want to be around her as often as I can. And I pray that's a godly example to folks. Because I don't see that so often in marriages today. Uh, we, we, we have open and honest and intimate conversations. We like to walk when the weather is nice. Sometimes we do multiple times a week. Uh, we, we serve the Lord together. We bless the ministry together. We're, we're generally very unified. And it's better than I would have ever thought it could be. How many of you want that as well? You guys are not responsive. <laughs> guys... I know this is starting to sound like a Hallmark movie. Again, you guys know my view of Hallmark movies. Um, guys, what we have in our marriage is a journey. It is in no way a destination because we have not close to arrived. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you this. We have challenges and hardships and struggles to overcome. I, look, I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. I'm honest to God. Shauna can be hard-headed and stubborn. <laughs> she can stand her ground. And so can I. Sometimes I can be, uh, sometimes I can be demanding and I can struggle with being controlling and being harsh sometimes. Our marriage has been filled with massive miscommunications. Painful misunderstandings, hurt feelings, intense conversations. You ever had those? Sometimes people call those arguments. <laughs> Over the years, there's been a couple of times that we hung up on each other on the phone in frustration. <sighs> been a few times over the years. That one of us has decided we were done with this conversation and walked out and slammed that door a little too hard. There was one time, oh, it was over 20 years ago, in the middle of an intense conversation, <laughs> when she decided she was done and had no more of this conversation and was leaving the house for a little while. I said, no, we're going to finish this. Before she could grab her keys, I grabbed them and I ran out the front yard. She demanded her keys. I threw them over the house into the backyard, a backyard that badly needed to be cut. <laughs> and I said, go find them. <laughs> and that did not go well. It didn't go well at all. We have argued over how to keep the house, what goes in the house, her piles, our piles, we've disagreed over how to load the dishwasher, how I drive, how she drives, lights left on, it's too bright, it's too dark, it's too hot, it's too cold. What are we going to eat? I don't like it made that way. How many of y'all been there? How many of you look at us and say, I want that? <laughs> want some of that? And so you look at our date day picture and say, I want that. But do you want everything else that comes with it? Guys, we're all human beings, right? Working out the flesh, getting the flesh worked out of us. Following God, coming into alignment with him. Guys, relationship goals. A lot of people, 
I love that a lot of people are wanting something different, something better. But I don't think today's normal that we see on social media is even real or even what we want. Even what we want. When we look at the world's normal in our relationships today, when you look behind the scenes, look behind that meme, look behind that picture, and behind it you find all this frustration and selfishness and hurt feelings and bitterness and all these other things. We don't, we don't see that. But it comes with it, doesn't it? You see a lot of people, a lot of bitterness, a lot of mistrust. You see people fighting about money, not being in unity about how to raise the kids. You see two people doing their own thing without any common vision. There's a few goals I want to look at over the next few weeks, and I'm going to, I'm going to just really hit the first one this week. I'm going to give you these four real quick. But four things that I think every godly relationship um, should make, the, you should make these goals for every godly relationship. And so the remainder of time, I'm going to talk about our first goal. And our first goal is that Jesus be at the center of your relationship. And I'm going to expound more about that. Remember, everybody say, Jesus at the center of it all. Sorry. Hebrews 12, 2 through 3, let us run the re- endurance, with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. We're running this race with endurance, always focused on Jesus. He's the focal point. He's what we're running to. He's the center in everything that we do. He's the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Guys, being Christ-centered is different than calling yourself a Christian. You can have two people in a relationship that call themselves Christians but aren't living Christ-centered lives, aren't living Christ-centered relationship. We've got to be Christ-centered. And and here's the thing that I'm going to talk about over the next few weeks. When we're Christ-centered, we become kingdom-minded and we become mission-driven. It's about purpose, not about what I want anymore. It's about being kingdom-minded and mission-driven, mission-focused. The problem is that we're being driven by the wrong things. Because it's the wrong thing at the center. We've got to be led by the Holy Spirit into caring about what Father cares about. Well, another goal, I'm gonna, I'll talk about these in, in the upcoming weeks. Another goal is, like I said just a minute ago, to be kingdom-minded and mission-driven in our relationships. Another goal I want to talk about for a minute is that in our relationships, we would stand together in unity against the kingdom of darkness. How many of you know that we, we, we are in a spiritual battle? How many of you know there is an enemy out there? It's a lot of new theology they're trying to teach. The devil's not real. And I, Really? Have you lived for a moment? There is an enemy, and he's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to take you out. But your spouse is not the enemy. Never the enemy. We've got to stand together. And, and the enemy hates everything that matters to God, and God ordained godly relationships. God ordained marriage, and thus the enemy hates godly marriage, godly relationships. He's going to attack them. You wonder why you and your spouse are having a hard time? Because the enemy hates you. He's trying to take you out. Don't give him any room. Resist them. Stand together. Got to hit the last one. Um, our relationships need to have Jesus at the center. And we need to be kingdom-minded, mission-driven in our relationships. Uh, it needs to be a place where we stand together against darkness. And the last thing I'm going to talk about here in a couple weeks is we need to fight to protect and keep our covenants. Fight to keep and protect our covenant. When we pursue marriage, guys, marriage is not a contract. If we make it a contract, one person breaks it, then we're out. It's a holy covenant before God. That's why, oh, I'm going to get off track. (laughs) That's why I don't care who the government says can get married. 
Anybody can go to the courthouse and sign a document. That is not a holy covenant before God. We're talking about apples and oranges. It's two separate things. We can't even really argue it. It's two separate things. Anyway, moving on. So our first goal that I mentioned, our first goal, what does it mean to be Christ-centered in our marriages? What does it mean to have Christ at the center of our lives? Even if you're a single person, what does it mean? we got to start with the understanding that no matter who you are, no matter what your relational status is, there is something at the center of your life. Something or some things. If you're married, there's something that's at the center of it all. If you're single, there's something at the center of your life. Something. So the question is, what is it at the center of your life? What is it that everything is centered around and based on? There's some of you that you may be married, but you need to stop and recognize that your marriage is centered around you. If you're always saying things like, well, you just don't meet my needs. You never knew what I want to do. You always upset me so much. You might need to stop and evaluate what your marriage is centered around. Many marriages are centered around children. This is huge today. We do what the kids want. We eat what the kids want. We go where the kids want. We don't invest in our marriage because we have solely invested in the kids. Always taking them to stuff and different things. And then one day, your kids are going to be gone. And you're going to look over and go, who in this world is this person next to me in my house? Guys, the average time of divorce is getting later and later. It's like the, the biggest time that people are divorcing now is like after 25 years. Why? Because the kids are gone. And only unified vision, only thing that your life, your marriage was centered around was those kids. And all of a sudden, what you made the foundation, which shouldn't have been in the first place, was ripped out from under it. And you're sitting there going, I don't even know you. Why? Because you had no time for your spouse. Because your life and your marriage was so centered around your children. So, for some people, it's centered around money. For some people, it's a material thing. For some, it's success. For some, it's your career. For some, your life may be, for some of your life is centered around your image. A lot of these people on Instagram, it's image. I'm going to make it look this way on the outside to make it look like I'm good on the inside. When really the inside's a mess, but we project this image. So we live this loud relationship in front of everybody with pictures all the time and going look how good we are together when in reality behind closed doors it's a disaster one of the biggest issues i see in this secular idea of relationship goals is people believe that in order to be fulfilled in order to be happy in order to live a life of meaning and do all i was supposed to do i have to find the one you ever heard of the one got to find the one, that one, that, that perfect one, that one that gives me goosebumps, that one that completes me, that one that makes every song on the radio make sense, the one. Then I'm complete. Then I'm whole. Now I can do everything I'm called to do. It's baloney. Your daughter comes home and says, I think I met the one. He opened my car door and bought me an ice cream. And unlike the last seven guys that I've dated who have been unemployed and dreamed of becoming professional video game players, he has a job. He has a job. He's got to be the one. He completes me. As, as I said two weeks ago, if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't need anybody to complete you. Nobody. 
Do you realize that the number one is a whole number? It's not a fraction. If you go to a bakery and you order apple pie, they're not going to bring you a quarter of an apple pie. You're going to be like, what's up? That's incomplete. They're going to bring you a whole hot apple pie. One hot apple pie. And you're going to be like, mmm, that's good. Got a whole apple pie. One is a whole number. Single is a whole number. Single is whole. It's whole. Jesus had a good run, and he pleased the Father. He did it without a spouse. He didn't need another person to complete him, and you don't need another person to complete you. Christ completes you, and you can do everything he's called you to do with or without a spouse because he is more than enough. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, For in him, Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. The whole Godhead, it's all in Jesus. And in him, you have been made complete. Say, I have been made complete. In who? In Jesus. And he is the head over all rule and authority. Guys, in a Christ-centered marriage, Jesus is the one. He's the one. Remember the Bible talks about the marriage being a three-stranded cord? It's you. Jesus is the one. If you marry, the spouse is your two. When our marriage is centered around Christ, not just in word, but in the way we live, and then we're all about Jesus, all the rest comes in line under him. Matthew 22, 36 and 37. They came to him, they said, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. Guys, we have to put God first. He has to be the center of everything we do, including our relationships. He is our one. He is the most important person in your life. So again, why is it important that we be live a, a Christ-centered life? Well, again, there is something at the center of your life. So the question is, what is it? Because here's the thing, I want you to understand this, grasp this. If you don't grasp anything else, understand this. Whatever's in the center of your life influences your values and your beliefs. Whatever's at the center of your life influences your values and your beliefs. This is important because out of your values and beliefs comes your actions and your decisions. The Bible talks about the fruit of our life. God said, Jesus said, produce much good fruit with your life. And what comes out of you determines your influence and the impact that you have on the world around you, which is what God has called you to do, to impact your world for him. So whatever's at the center of your life influences your values and your beliefs. Your values and beliefs determine your actions and your decisions, which influence the impact that you will have. So in other words, the difference you make in this world and the fulfillment you feel honoring God is a result of what your life is centered around. So, what is your life? What are your relationships? What is your marriage? What is it centered around? It could be yourself. And I promise you, if your relationship is centered around self, your impact and your influence will be incredibly limited in this life. Your marriage could be centered around your kids. I promise you, if your marriage is centered around your children, your marriage will suffer and you will never please God the way you could have otherwise. It could be about your lifestyle. I don't know, but here's the thing. If you are all in and you're pushing forward in all that God has for you, you can make Jesus the center of it all. And it can be the greatest blessing in your life. 
Colossians 1, 16 through 20, it says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rules, or, uh, rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Listen to this. And he, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. How many want your life to hold together? How many want your marriage to hold together? And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to, 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 reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Guys, in him all things hold together. Sounds like a good idea to put him at the center. When you are Christ-centered, then Jesus influences your values and beliefs. And out of that comes your actions and your decisions. And you will live a life of impact and satisfaction and fulfillment. If it's not centered around Christ, then you, you've got the wrong thing at the center. Amen? Now, those of you who are not married yet, let me say this to you. Hopefully you have relationship goals. And if you want a Christ-centered relationship in your future, I would implore you, you need to live a Christ-centered life today. If you want a Christ-centered relationship, live a Christ-centered life today. If you want to honor God by putting him first in your relationships in the future, put him first today. Don't wait. People say, well, one day when I meet the one, my soulmate, I'm going to get things together. And we're going to find a church, and we're going to serve God together. Why wait for one day? Why wait for one day? Don't wait for another person to come along before you get your life together and put God first and begin to serve him. Anytime you do your own thing apart from God, it's always called sin. And here's the deal. You can't build a life of righteousness in the future on a foundation of sin today. You've got to start now. The things you want in the future, you need to embrace them today. Don't wait for somebody to complete you to start serving Jesus. Allow him to complete you. Serve him. Follow him. Live a Christ-centered life. Love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. But start today. Amen? And like I said earlier, there's a big difference between calling yourself a Christian and living a Christ-centered life. You don't, guys, we were never called to go to church once a week and call ourselves a Christian. That's, that's not, number one, the word Christian is a word. We, we, guys, we serve Christ. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus is king, and he's our savior, and he is worthy of our devotion. He's worthy of our praise and our life. You don't build a life of righteousness in the future on a foundation of sin today. We have to choose today to live a Christ-centered life. Before we close, you might ask, well, practically, what can I do to live a Christ-centered life, to make Jesus the center of my life, the center of my relationships, the center of my marriage? Well, I could probably list a hundred things off the top of my head, but that'd be a little overwhelming. And so I'm going to give you one thing. Does that work? One thing to start with. Guys, if you want a Christ, if you want a Christ-centered life, and you want Christ-centered relationships, then I would encourage you to treat Jesus as a real, genuine part of your life. 
throughout the day, every day. Let me put it in even simpler terms. Let's act like he's there because he is. If you're married, the Bible says your marriage is a three-stranded cord. It's you, your spouse, and Jesus. Would it be okay to only talk to your spouse on Sunday morning from 10 to 1130? For some of us, it's the only time we talk to Jesus. How about we act like he's actually there, just like we would our spouse? The easiest way to do that is to simply talk to him. We like to call that prayer. People freak out when you start talking about prayer. It's like, oh, try to get people to pray. Man, right now, I can just picture it. I need somebody to close out service with prayer. Three quarters of y'all be like, put your head down. Don't look them in the eyes. Don't look them in the eyes. Don't look them in the eyes. Right? Why do we freak out so much over prayer? Because we need to talk to the Lord. And we need to do so within our marriage. People are like, well, it's, 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 it's too personal. It's too private. It's, it's, this, it's this intimate thing. I promise if you're a follower of Jesus, you can pray together. You can do it. It's too weird. It's too private. You, if, you're ma- you're, if you're married, you probably go to the bathroom in front of each other. That's pretty personal. You might have made a few babies together. That gets a little intimate. I think you can stop and pray for a minute. Right? Oh, gosh. Anyway, here's the thing about prayer. It can be a huge source of strength in your life because here's the thing. Prayer changes you. C.S. Lewis, I saw this this week, he said, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time when I'm waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God. It changes me. Guys, if I were the enemy, I would try to stop everybody from praying, especially in their relationships. Because if I can keep them praying together, I can keep them from uniting together spiritually. And if I do that, I can keep them from becoming kingdom-minded and mission-driven. And now that changes things because they're not in prayer. They're probably not going to be effectively standing against the enemy. They're probably going to be getting their tails kicked by the enemy. And they're probably not as likely to keep their covenant either, right? See, when you pray together, you unite, you bond. It's kind of hard to be cussing each other out when you're praying together. A little, little awkward. It changes you. Guys, well, girls too. It's kind of hard to keep looking at porn when you're praying each day together with somebody who's being incredible, incredibly faithful to you. Your life begins to shift and change. Prayer strengthens you, it empowers you, it emboldens you to work through the issues because you've included Jesus. You've brought him into the middle of it all. It's not just you and your spouse fighting it out. You can truly have intimacy. And when you pray, it generally leads to other, even better things. You end up talking about spiritual things because you prayed together. You'll move your kids towards spiritual things because of it. You might start in the Word together. Chances are you'll be going to church together. Uh, and, and, and you won't just go to church, but you'll be the church. And you'll serve together. And when you're in a, under attack, you'll fight together against the enemy through prayer. And I would say this, guys, when, I, when, when somebody stands up here and says pray, you're sitting there thinking, oh, I don't have an hour and a half to spend every morning in prayer. Guys, here's the thing. Make it simple. 
Make it your cue. Every time something happens in life, make it your cue to pray right quick. Pray when, you, when, when you're about to start your day. Pray when you're walking out the door. Join hands real quick and, and say a quick prayer. prayer. Pray before your meals. Some of you used to do that and you stopped. Bless your food together right quick. You're inviting Jesus into the center of it. That's all you're doing. Guys, a 15-second prayer. Act like he's there. Bring him into the middle because he is. Maybe you pray before an event. Maybe for a difficult conversation with your kid. Maybe for a presentation at work. Maybe before an interview for a new job. You all just stop and, and say prayer. Pray. Invite Jesus into it. When you hear bad news, pray. Pray. It doesn't have to be long. Just acknowledge the Lord and his faithfulness and your trust in him together. Unless you have the time and you want to, keep it short. How many of you know there's nothing wrong with the 60-second prayer? Nothing wrong with the 30-second prayer. You're inviting him in to whatever the situation may be. You may just need to start the day. Jesus, help us in our relationship around you a little more today. Keep it short. Keep it consistent. Unite around it. If you don't pray one day, it's okay. It happens. Just don't make it two days. You might say, well, I don't know what to pray. Guys, you can start off the morning and just, Lord, give us wisdom and direction for this day. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to walk in love toward one another and every person we come in contact with. May we always be in the center of your will. Amen. And as you do that, you'll start adding in words of your own here and there. What? It'll start growing. Your 20-second prayer turns into a 40-second prayer. Wow. Just double. You'll grow in it. How many of you have grown in your prayer life? Guys, as we do that, we'll become more kingdom-minded, mission-driven. We'll more effectively stand against the enemy as we invite Jesus into the middle. And we're more likely to keep our covenant when we do that. Some of you would say, well, you know, I, 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 don't, I, 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 just, I just struggle. Guys, push through. If you've got to write a prayer and you've got to read it each day, do it. Just invite Jesus into the middle. Those of you who aren't married, you'd say, well, well what do I do? If you, want a, if you want a Christ-centered marriage in your future... Live a Christ-centered life today. Talk to him every day, wherever you are. Invite him to the center of it. Amen? I'm going to close out. I, I want to invite Shauna to come up as I close. And, guys, here's the deal. Y'all just y'all stand up on your feet with me. And I, I will invite the worship team to, to come up this time. Guys, we live a very blessed life. But just like you, it's got its difficulties, right? And one of the more difficult things for us at times is we have relationships with a lot of people. And the burdens and the things that they're carrying, it it drives us to pray, right? It's tough sometimes. Our, our community group, our family, our personal life, uh, personal issues. Guys, you know, sometimes we carry hurt and disappointment and carry burdens just like anybody else. And, you know, in that we have to pray and, and we know that we have, to keep, we have to keep Jesus at the center because this life will eat us alive if we don't. And it's the same thing for you, right? And so we all have to learn to live 
a Christ-centered life. Lots of short, consistent prayers as we go to him. And, you know, again, it's not about calling yourself a Christian. It's about Jesus being the center of everything that you say and do every day. We're going to talk about that in, in several weeks from now. We're going to talk about living a life of worship. And that's really what it is, living a life with Jesus at the center. Everything pointed to him, including him in everything, at the center of everything that we do. And we want to make sure that all of our relationships honor God and glorify him. And that will only happen because you have made Jesus the center of it all. So, Lord, I just pray right now. I pray for our church family that you would help us to live Christ-centered lives in Jesus' name. Everybody here, whether you're in, whether you're, regardless of your relational relationship status, regardless of whether you're single or married or, or young or, or old, whatever it may be, if you are a follower of Christ this morning and you would say, I want to live an even more Christ-centered life, I want you to lift your hand. There we go. I need to live a more Christ-centered life. Let's keep our hands lifted up. Come on. And I'm going to ask Shauna, I'm going to ask her to pray for each one of us as we commit to putting Jesus, coming into alignment with him and making him the center of all that we say and do. Lord, I just thank you for every single hand that's raised in this place and in rolling hills and even in homes, on cars, as people are hearing this message. God, I thank you. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have worked and you moved and you have spoken to every single one of us today through this message. And God, our desire is to be closer to you. And so, Lord, I pray that every single one of us will do the hard thing and that we will start with a statement. Maybe every morning, our first thought or the first words out of our mouth will be, God, it's me and you today. Or, Lord, I love you. Be the center of all that I do. Lord, I pray that in this week going forward, that we won't try to do things in our own strength, but that in everything, in all things, that we'll say, Lord, what do you have to say about this? God, will you give me wisdom to speak to this situation? Will you help me pass this test? Will you help me to pay my bills? Will you lead, guide, and direct my path? Lord, I pray that we'll do the hard things and that we'll, Lord, I, what I love is that when we do those hard things, they become easy. <laughs> And so, Lord, I just speak growth yes, in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that we become a people of prayer, that we become a people that are passionate about being in your presence and hearing your voice and not doing things in our own will and our own strength. And, Lord, just like we talked about in Sunday school this morning, Lord, that we'll be quick to repent and admit when we're wrong and to move on and to make things right. Lord, Holy Spirit, I thank you right now that you are speaking to every single person, that you're forgiving as they ask for forgiveness, that you're encouraging those that need to be encouraged. And Lord, I thank you that you will give all of us reminders yes, this week to put you first in all things. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name. Lord, be the center of it all. Be the center of our lives. Just say, Jesus, be the center of my life. In Jesus' name. Put your hands down for just a moment. Guys, if you're here, 
and you recognize Jesus in the center, but that's because you haven't even included him in your life. You haven't said yes to him. You haven't opened the door and allowed him to come into your heart and to be Lord of your life. Then that's your step. That's what he's speaking to you right now. That's what the Holy Spirit is drawing. That's what you're feeling inside in this moment. And if that's you, and you recognize that you are lost without Jesus, and you need him today, I I want you to lift your hand. Anybody here that would boldly lift their hand and say, I need Jesus today. I need him to be Lord of my life. Anybody here at all? Maybe somebody's watching online, and you would say, I need to say yes to Jesus today. That's your first step before you can make him the center. And so I implore you, I encourage you to, to say yes to him today. The Bible says that we are all sinners and that sin separates us from him. But the Bible also says that because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we're able to confess our sin. We're able to repent and know that he cleanses us from all unrighteousness and he washes us clean, as, clean white as snow. And you can know that when you take your last breath on planet earth, you're going to open your eyes and you're going to see the loving eyes and smile of Jesus. And not just that. I love the word from earlier. You can experience heaven today because he walks with you the very moment you say yes to Jesus. He walks with you every second of every day, through every circumstance, through every trial, through every joy. But you have to stop. You have to repent. Surrender your life to him and say yes to Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer together briefly. And I just encourage you, if you want, you can pray along with me. And everything can change in your life. You can become that new creation in Christ Jesus. Just pray something like this. Heavenly Father, I recognize I am lost and alone. I recognize I am dead in my sin. And I am desperate for a Savior. I thank you, Jesus, for loving me so much that you willingly came and you laid down your life for me. You paid the price for my sin, for my violations, for my debt. You paid the price for it. And so today I say yes to you. I believe that you are who you say you are. You are the son of the most high God. And you rose from the dead. And I choose to rise with you into new life this day. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Make me a new creation that I can walk with you all the days of my life. I'll serve you to the end. And just say, Holy Spirit, fill me, empower me, be everything you've called me to be and do everything you've called me to do. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.